Let me tell you that when God sees church, it's so much bigger than that. You see, when God sees church, he sees something a lot more like this. Do you see it? It's you. You're the church. You can see it, right? <laughs> is, is the light right on it? Okay, hold on, hold on. Here you go, there. Can you, something like that. More forward. Hey! You're the church. You. And you hear that, and maybe for some of you, that was like a fundamental change in your thinking of church. But for a lot of you, you can kind of hear that and you can be like, oh, that's cool, and kind of just shrug it off a little bit. Or give me a little bit of a golf clap, and it's like, oh, that's great. I'm the church. But when God calls you the church, it's so much more than just a sentence. You see, when God calls you the church, he actually describes the church as his own body. The church is the thing that he instituted, the thing that he died for, that he bled for. The church is his body with him as the head and his fullness filling every bit of it. Do you know what it means to be the church? It means to be his physical representation on this earth. To be the church means to be connected to him, the God that Timothy describes as dwells in unapproachable light, the God that Revelations 4 describes as sitting on a throne with myriads and myriads, thousands and thousands of angels just singing, holy, holy, holy are you God, with elders surrounding his thrones with crowns that they would just throw it down and they would just say, God, you're worthy. They would fall on their faces because that's the God that we serve and you're connected to him. You're the church. Does any part of that kind of just shake you for a second? When you walked into this building, were you thinking, God, I'm so thankful that I'm a part of this. Were you marveling at the mystery that is the church? When you sat in your seat, were you kind of just taken back? Were you filled with a deep-seated awe? Or was it more like a little bit of complacency? Or did the thought kind of never cross your mind? Because if I'm honest, that was me just a couple months ago. And God took me on this journey where he kind of helped me realize why I'm not marveling at the mystery that's the church. That's what Paul calls it. He calls it a profound mystery, referring to God and the church. And so we've got a couple moments together and we're just gonna go on the little journey exploring this very question. Why don't we marvel at the church? Why, don't, why aren't we filled with this deep-seated awe that almost just makes us cry when we think, God, you connected us to you? That's a mystery. And so that's, that's what's gonna frame our little time together. 1 Corinthians, if it's on your notes, pull it up or it might be on the screen coming up soon. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. It's God describing his church. And he says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. 
whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, whether rich or, it's pretty much saying you're rich, you're poor, you're, you're black, you're white, you're yellow, you're, you're, you're from any country, it doesn't matter. You were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if an ear said, if an ear said, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now listen to this part. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part's honored, every part rejoices. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. That's beautiful. I bet you that when I showed you the mirror, the mirror with the light shining in that you couldn't quite see, but here you go. When I showed you the mirror, the first thing you looked at was yourself. I bet you. And so when I said you're the church, I kind of lied a little bit because you are the church, but you alone, just you, you're not the church. But if you were to hypothetically grab the person's hand that's next to you, then maybe that's starting to look a little bit more like the church. That's starting to look a little bit more like the church, but you, you alone, that's not the church. And this is the first reason why we don't marvel at the church. And it's right there in 1 Corinthians. I hope you saw it. If you didn't, I'm gonna show you. It's because we come to church with a consumer mindset. Now, I know all of you got iPhone 10s and all this fancy stuff. I've got a Samsung. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it doesn't really matter what phone you have. You've all got this little camera function. And a lot of the time we come to church in selfie mode. Right? And we'll walk it. Oh, should we just take? Hey, there we go. We walk around church in selfie mode, and it's kind of like, oh, am, did I like the service today? Oh, is Steve preaching today? Oh, they let that kid up. Oh, somebody's sitting in my chair. Oh, no. My hot chocolate was cold. Oh. They changed the service times. Dang it, now I got soccer practice. And so we're coming to church in selfie mode. But that's the reason you can't marvel at the mystery of the church. It's because all you can see is you. But I'm really thankful that there's this little button on the top left-hand corner that when you push it, it flips the camera. And now what I begin to see is, is I begin to see God. I begin to see the same God who is so glorious. Sometimes we project him as this insecure kid, desperate for our attention. But when we flip the camera, we see God is not this insecure kid. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. If I don't sing his praises, the rocks will cry out. We begin to see God, you're so marvelous. My problems aren't that big. God, you're so much bigger. We begin to see that maybe this isn't all about me. 
It's not all about the hand. And we start to see it as the body. And when we start to see not just the needs of the hands, but the needs of the body, then we start to change the way we think. We start to realize that each one of you has been given a specific function. And so when you show up to church, it's not about showing up as a consumer. It's about showing up as a contributor. That's why we have growth track. Y'all could, y'all could do a personality test, a gifting test at home. You don't need growth track for that. You need growth track to figure out where, how your function ties into this church. That's why you need growth track. It's because we have too many hands that know what they can do, but they're not connected to the body. And so that's what growth track's about. It's about finding your function within the church. Come on, y'all. Consumerism has killed our ability to marvel. This question shook me, and I hope it shakes you a little bit too. This was on my journey as God was challenging these reasons. Why do I not treat church like what he made it to be? Why do I not have this deep-seated awe? And it was this question. Do you ever ask, is God pleased? I mean, did that question even pop in your head today? Is God pleased? Is he pleased with the way you worshiped him today? Is he pleased with your expectation towards his word? Is he pleased with the way you passed all those people when you came to your seat? Consumer mindset ask, am I pleased? But did we ever stop and ask, God, are you pleased? So write this down. If you want to learn to, to, to how to marvel at the church, write this down. Church isn't about me. That's a game changer. If you get that, you'll be able to really learn how to marvel at the church when you're not in the driver's seat, when it's not all about you. And so let's get really practical. If you want church to not be about you, then why don't you stop just show, like, I, I lo- if, you, if you come here, and I love that you love the service and everything that happens, but if you're just sitting in a seat, then you're really not being a part of the church that God designed. And so why don't you join Growth Track? If you're not doing anything, they would love to help you find your function. Why don't you come in and look for other people that you could sit with and other people that you could serve? Why not come into church from now on and ask this question, God, are you pleased? So the, my journey kind of continued. And remember, this is really, I hope this is just practical. And so you've got notes and you've got pens and I would encourage you, write this down because it really helped me. And so I continued my journey and as we kind of explored what God thinks of church. And I realized that as God does describe the church as his body, but he also uses three other metaphors to describe it. He describes church as his family, He describes church as his temple, and he describes church as his bride. All the same fundamental thing, but with a slightly different focus. And so we look at 1 John 3, 1 to 2. It's God describing church as his family. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. 
The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. That's beautiful, that we're called children of God. Listen to this, John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give you, that you're to love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. He almost repeated it a couple times within that verse. Love for one another just as I have loved you. Dean, can I use you as an example? You don't have to do anything. If I really believed this, then, then I would have to love Dean. Now, Dean's a great guy. He's so encouraging. Even before the service, he was encouraging. He's a lovable guy. It's easy to love Dean. But if I was called, if I was really gonna be obedient to what this verse was asking, then I couldn't just love Dean or listen to Dean's stories or just kind of just be nice to Dean. I would have to love him as Jesus loved me. That means I would have to sacrifice for Dean. I would have to be willing to lay down my life for Dean because I loved him the way Jesus loved me. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got other people in my life that I can love. I've got my family, I've got a whole bunch of friends. Dean's great, but there's other people that I could love that way. But that's not the kind of love that Jesus wants the church to characterize. I'm a uni student, and every, every year they have this thing called orientation week, right? And they have a whole bunch of clubs, and I go and sign up to a whole bunch of these clubs. I spend $5, I sign up for them. And they have great events, don't get me wrong. The events, the execs, it's all great. But I, every year I sign up to a bunch of clubs, and then I don't show up to the events. <laughs> every year, I waste my membership money. Honestly, they, the event has to be so convenient for me. It has, to, it has to be exactly when I finish class. I have to be in a good mood. I have to have nothing else going on. I have to have be well. It has to be so convenient if you want me to go to the event. Like, there's nothing wrong with the events. The events are great. It's just my buy-in level is just to the, my level of convenience, right? But versus something I believe in, like if there was a church event or if I had an assignment due, I'd be willing to sacrifice for that a little bit. And that's our problem. The second reason we don't marvel at the mystery of the church is because we put our buy-in level at the level of our convenience instead of the level of our obedience. I'm about to say something. Church is marked by our obedient love for one another. And so convenient love looks like hanging around with my clique. It looks like loving the people that are at low cost to me. It looks like hanging around with the people that I'm vibing or I'm feeling or the, the people that I kind of get along with. But obedient love, oh, obedient love, it talks to that lady with the repeating stories that everybody else avoids. Obedient love, it doesn't just sit with the people that you'll get used to, but it goes and says, whoa, that person's sitting alone. Maybe I'm gonna go sit with them. Obedient love says, hey, you're in my seat, but please, you take the seat because this isn't about me. I would, you look like you're new to church and I would much rather you sit in that seat. That's what buy-in level of obedience looks like. And so let's get real practical because everything I'm saying, it's not, 
I'm praying that this wouldn't just be eloquent speech and you're like, wow, what a great message. I'm praying that God would, would do something in our hearts that would actually change us. And so let's get real practical. After the service, we've got a young adults hang. Can I speak to the people who call this place home for one second? When you go to that young adults hang, please don't just hang around with the people that you normally hang around with. Can you go and can you look for other people that you've never met? Just look to your left and look to your right for a second. Those people are your family. And that's not just some kind of Instagram cliche. That's actually what John describes when he says we're the family of Christ. And so can I encourage you, kind of loosen up your heart a little bit so that we could just love them like God loved us. Can we be the kind of church that offers rides, that pays for meals, that takes down numbers, that actually prays when we say we're gonna pray, just because we're so driven by his love within us? That would change everything. Okay, we're on our third stage of the journey. I think it's a light. It just evaporates the moisture. <laughs> the third light the Bible shines on the church is through the analogy of the church and the temple. <laughs> okay, Ephesians 2, 20 to 22. We're reading from the Passion Translation. You are rising like perfectly fitted stones of the temple, and your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and prophets. And best of all, you're connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. Can you see the kind of similarities between all the different verses we're reading? The entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. And so if you didn't get that, I'm just gonna explain it real quick. God has now made us into his temple. And let me give you a little bit of Old Testament kind of context. Before this, before Jesus, before the New Testament reality, people who believed in God were used to meeting in a temple, in a physical building. And so they would go into this place to meet with God. But the New Testament reality is that rather than going into a physical temple with physical stones, we become living stones that come together and create this new temple that God would dwell in. But have y'all heard of the, the physical stone syndrome? The physical stone syndrome. It's where we, the physical stone syndrome, let me say this first, it doesn't exist here. The physical stone syndrome happens here. And it's where we start to look to buildings and professionals and programs as a requirement for church to exist. Neglecting the New Testament reality that if just two or three would gather together in my name, then I would be in their midst. So let me say this, this is not just a disclaimer, it's the truth. I love Sunday church. I love Sunday church. It's a big party and everything we do here on Sunday church is super intentional. And this is great, this is wonderful. What I'm trying to address today is not this, it's this. It's the attitude that we come to church with. You see, the, the physical stone syndrome is where we turn frills into requirements. 
It's where we think we need, it's where we think that church can only happen on a Sunday within these walls. But that's not the church that God talks about. It's, this is great, this is church, but physical stone syndrome makes this into a requirement. Do you know the meatiest part of church for us, like, like this church, like Elam, the meatiest part of this church is actually small groups? During a week, during the week, every day, people are meeting up in houses, they're meeting up in cafes, they're meeting up mountain biking. That's what church is, and it doesn't have any of this. Let me tell you a story. The other day, um, a whole bunch of us hang out after the service, and we were, we were like, you know what, we just really want to just worship God. And so it was, it was late at night, and so a couple of guys grabbed, jumped into the guitar, and they were, we were worshiping, and then all of a sudden one dude was like, yo, we need a D-pad. You know what a D-pad is? It's the, it's like, it's just literally that noise, and it makes the whole thing sound more full. And so we're like, we need a D-pad, because that's just gonna make this so much better. And I was like, yo, yeah, we need a D-pad. And so like, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go get the speaker. And so I was like walking to get the speaker to get our D-pad so that we could worship God. And all of a sudden, I felt super convicted. And I felt like God said really clearly, he was like, Isaac, since when did you need a D-pad to worship me? I just want to ask the question to you. Since when did you need a prayer meeting to get your friends together and pray? Since when did you need a worship leader or a guitar to worship God? Since when did you need a preacher or a sermon to open your Bible and get into God's words? I guarantee you that if you would just open it, even if you're not getting profound revelations, God would be pleased. Write this down. Church with just us and Jesus, it's enough. And so let's get real practical. When it comes to church, when it comes to all of this kind of stuff, when we come in here on a Sunday, can we have the heart that says, even if it's not my song or even if everything isn't going well, I actually didn't come because I needed all of this. I came just for him. But in our broader context of church, in the kind of perspective that we're, we're, we're enlarging today, can we get together during the week because that's church? And if you don't have people to get, to get together with just off the top of your head, why don't you go and find people? If you don't have community, why don't you be the one to start the community? Because it's really easy to kind of complacently sit back and be like, oh, there's no community for me in this church. But there are leaders here. There are people who are made to start community here. But if you're constantly having this physical stone syndrome that looks to a building, a professional, or a program, you're constantly gonna miss the mystery of church. So share the gospel because you don't need a pastor to share the gospel. You are actually equipped for the works of ministry. I'm gonna say it one more time. The physical stone syndrome is just this. It's moving beyond looking to a building, a professional, or a program to be the church of Jesus Christ. Okay, we're making terrible time. The final analogy is this. God describes the church as his bride. 
Ephesians 5, 27. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and he gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, even as the Lord, the church. For we're members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. We've looked at three kind of reasons why we don't marvel at the church. What's stopping us from marveling at the church? It's making it all about us, having a buy-in level that's just at convenience rather than obedience, and where we kind of forget that church and Jesus is enough. But let me give you a, let me kind of flip the script and give you a reason why. Let me give you a reason just to marvel. You want something to marvel at? Just marvel at what we just read. That God, God would choose us a broken, sinful, selfish, consumer-driven, disobedient people. That he would love us, even though we, we struggle to get along, even though we struggle to think beyond ourselves, that he would love us like his own body. That he would nourish us and cherish us like we were his own body, his own flesh, his own bones. That he would not only send his one and only son, but he would continue sacrifice for us. Because we're members of him. Write this down as a reason to just marvel. That church, what you have around you, is the result of his grace. Now, if you hear that, if you really get that, you won't just hear that on an individual level where you're like, God, I just thank you for the grace that's towards me. But when you actually understand that, you'll look collectively and you'll look, you'll look collectively and you'll be like, God, your grace actually made this whole thing possible. Your grace is the only reason that people from different ethnicities and backgrounds could come together and be united just because they believe in you and they could be united by your love with you as the head. That's your grace that you made this happen. Your grace that you would sacrifice to make this possible. Your grace that you would love us so much that you would make this thing called church. It only exists by his grace. And when I hear that, I just think, who am I? to be loved like that. And who is this God that he would love me like that? Well, friends, this God, his name is Jesus. And if I can invite the band up now. You may have thought that you entered into just a building today and now you realize that church is so much more than just a building, but really what you walked into was, was a family, his family. People who just believe in him and are united together by him. And if God could say anything to you today, it would be this. 
Come and join the family. Come and join the family. You don't need to get it right. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to do a set number of things because the Bible makes it really clear that it's not your works, but it's His work that made all of this possible. And when you just accept that gift of God's grace, when you accept the fact that He's done it all, you get a fresh start. You get a hope in your heart. You get a passion to live not just today, but forever. And it changes everything. And all you have to do is this, is just to marvel at the mystery of why God, who just doesn't need us, He's so much bigger than us, why He would connect Himself to us. Come on, does that hit your heart? All you have to do is accept that grace. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that He's Lord and you'll be saved. So we're just gonna take a moment with every eye closed and every head bowed. Jesus, I thank you for what you've showed us about church, what it really is. Jesus, please don't let us just hear words, but do something in our heart. Jesus, I thank you that the best thing about church is that it was all made possible by your grace. And so, Father, right now, we just take a moment to just picture you. If you were just standing before us and we see that your all you would be saying is this, come into the family. So if you don't know Jesus and you're in this place today, then I'm not getting off this stage till I give you an opportunity to know him. And so as every eye closed and as every head's bowed, if you wanna receive this grace, if you wanna know Jesus, then I want you to pop up your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah, praise God, praise God. Thank you, God. With every believer praying. God, we thank you that the greatest part of this whole thing is that you would reach down to us and that you would invite us to join your family. I thank you for the people that put up their hand today. God, I pray that you would seal the work done in their heart. God, I pray that they would know your love more and more day by day. God, that they would begin this relationship with you. God, we thank you for everything you've done in this place today. We pray that we would never treat church the same way. And God, we pray that your grace would be constantly 
remind, we would be constantly reminded of your grace day by day in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I just get us to keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed just for one second? For those people who raise their hand and in fact, for every single one of us, I just wanna lead us in a prayer right now. And as Isaac did so beautifully explain this gospel message, this grace, and he said, as he said, all we have to do is believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, then we are saved. So right now, I'm gonna ask everybody, and we're gonna do this out loud with the people who raise their hand. We're gonna pray a prayer today. And I want every single person just to pray it out loud. If you're a Christian here, pray this out loud in support of the people that raise their hand tonight. We say, dear Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you that you forgive me. I choose this day to follow you. Become the Lord of my life. I become a Christian today. And I choose new life in you. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Come on, won't you celebrate with every person? Can I tell you? For those people that lifted their hands, can I just say to you that that is the best decision that you will ever make in your entire life. And right now there is a party kicking off in heaven because of that decision that you have just made. And it doesn't matter if one person made it or a hundred people make it, there's the biggest party right now going off. Incredible, right? Amazing, amazing. Hey, I wanna do one more thing before you go. And this is a really important thing. So if we could just have everyone just remain right where you are. This is one of the most important parts of our service. On your seat today, when you came in, you would have seen a Connect card. And on this card, this is our way of being able to help you take your next step. If you raised your hand tonight, or perhaps you're just visiting with us, we would love to help you take your next step. On the card there, you'll be able to see there's a place for you to put your name and a way for us to contact you. Then the second box down says, I'm committing or recommitting my life to Christ. We would love for you to tick that box. And in just a few moments time, some buckets are gonna go around as we receive our giving. You can just pop this card right there in the bucket and we would love to be able to connect with you. We're not gonna turn up at your house. It's not gonna get weird or creepy. So don't worry about that. But we may be able to, we may email you or give you a phone call just to make sure you are all good and, and know what your next step is. We just wanna be able to help you. We also wanna be able to put a Bible into your hand. So if you do not have a Bible, there is a team in our foyer. Blue t-shirt says, count me in. We would love to be able to put something in your hand to help you on your journey. If you're a guest, there's a, there's a box there that says, I'm a first time visitor. If you wanna join, Isaac mentioned the growth track a number of times. And if you would like to get on the growth track, we have one running pretty much every week, apart from the fifth week of every Sunday, but every month we run it. It's a four-week course that helps you not only get to know us, but get to know you. And as Isaac said so beautifully, gets to know exactly how you are created, how you are made up, the gifts and the, the talents that God has put on your life and how that looks in relation to what we call the church. And so I wanna encourage you to get along. You can get along, you can just jump in next week if you want to, four o'clock right here or 10 a.m. if you wanna go to the morning one. There are donuts and there is coffee. Can I, do I need to say anything else? Uh, tick the box, I wanna go to growth track. There is a young adults hangout happening in the cafe and lounge area after the service. 
I reckon that is primary opportunity for you to practice what Isaac has just preached. Go in there and make it solid and put it into, you know, concrete. If you are um, 18 to 35, you know, well, I don't know. I never like to tell anybody whether they're a young adult, young or not young, you know, but you, I'll let you use your discretion on that. I had a few text messages. What do I do if my wife's allowed and I'm not? I said, you wait in the car. Just kidding. Just kidding. Everybody, just go in there. We're going to have a great night together. And the last thing I need to let you know about, and that is that we've got baptisms coming up on the 18th of August. Um, if you have not been baptised and you feel like that is the next step that um, God is calling you to make, we would love to be able to support you, do that journey with you and celebrate with you as you make that step. So you can pop, um, just tick the box on the card there, it says I wanna be baptised and pop it in the bucket as it goes around in just a moment. And we would love to do that on the 18th of August, which happens to be Steve's birthday as well, by the way. So don't forget that, write that down. Write that down, 18th of August. Uh, in just a moment, I'm going to ask the team to come and get ready to give. But I just want to tell you about a really cool story I heard just a couple of weeks ago in our Elam woman, um, our midweek service woman in small groups. Uh, a lady came up for a, in our celebration time, we give away crunchies on a Thursday morning as well. Now, celebration time, she said, I'm celebrating today because it is my um, 11 year wedding anniversary. And she said, but that is a miracle because last year we were separated. And one year later, we're celebrating 11 years married. And her story goes that um, they, her and her husband had separated and then they uh, were introduced to some people from Elam, a couple from Elam Church who brought them along who've journeyed alongside them for the last year, met with them every single week and have journeyed that couple back to a restored marriage. And you know what? I think it's kind of cool that they could just come into a place that offered all of that for absolutely free, did not ask them for a penny and was able to journey and invest into them so that they went from what was looked like death to life. And you know what? That can happen. Stories like that can take place because you give. Week in and week out, you are faithful in your giving. And it, I love stories like that because it just shows me that individuals are getting their lives changed and transformed for Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's be generous as we give today. Father, I thank You, Lord Jesus, that we can be a part of a church that is seeing lives transformed and changed. God, just stories of marriages being um, just completely restored and reconciliation happening. God, we're just, that's not just our win, it's everybody's win. And I'm so excited that I get to partner with a church like that. Lord, when I give, I know it's going to fruitful soil. God, and I thank You, Lord, for every generous giver in this room. I pray Your blessing on them. Lord, bless what's given today. And God, may we hear more and more stories of reconciliation and restoration in Jesus' Name. Amen, amen.